Good morning. Glad to see you all here. If you're in person, if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, who enjoyed the nice little breeze on the way in this morning? We, uh, it was uh, driving up here, it was almost like driving a sailboat, you know, through the wind. It was, it was something. Hey, we're glad you're here today. Uh, today's kind of a unique day for us. We're, we're kind of between preaching series. Last week, Brad wrapped up our series through Philippians. Next week, we'll start a new teaching series. But what I wanted to do today is something that I used to do when we were at our previous church. It's something that I saw at, at churches that we were a part of in the past that I always thought kind of stuck out and, and was neat. It's, just, it's taking a Sunday early in the year and kind of like our, our various levels of government will do early in the year, taking a day and pausing and just addressing where we're at as a church. Uh, one of the things that I think we can so easily get caught up in is doing the things of the church and being a part of the church, and we kind of forget sometimes to step back and take a look at ourselves and make sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so today we're just calling it State of the Church Sunday. If you're visiting with us, it's going to be a little bit of a different take on, on how we normally go about things. Next week we'll be jumping back into a brand new uh, teaching series that I'm pretty excited about. But we're going to talk about our, our vision today. Uh, when I was hired, I was given two primary job responsibilities. One, to preach on a regular basis, and two, to set a vision for the church and help the church accomplish that vision. And I think that when we talk about that word, that, that might be something that for some of you you're not familiar with, or maybe you're not all that comfortable with, but let me just kind of explain where that comes from a little bit. Andy Stanley is a pastor in Georgia. He says this, vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction of what should be. Uh, sometimes I think we hear this, and this, this word vision, and you automatically think, oh, he, he's trying to talk like a mega church pastor, or trying to make the church look like a business, or a corporation, or all these various things. And that's, you hear it often from larger churches. But understand too, the idea of vision is actually biblical. It's not just something that was conjured up a few years ago uh, for the sake of sounding good. Not just something to put on a bulletin or on a wall or on our website. It actually comes from Scripture. Proverbs chapter 28, we read this, Without revelation, people run wild, but one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Now you, you read this and you're thinking, hang on a second, you're saying that uh, if I don't get in line, I'm running wild. Now actually, I think it's referring more like to me. <laughs> as as a, a lead pastor, it's like if I don't pay attention, if I don't fall in line with where God wants us to be, because when you read this, the word revelation, if you are familiar with the book at the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it starts off the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the first line in almost every translation of that Bible. And the word revelation in the Greek, it's the word apocalypsis, which means to pull back the veil. So it's revealing something, which is shockingly why it's called revelation. But in this context, in Proverbs, revelation, or a Proverbs was written in Hebrew. And so the word that's used for revelation here has another translation, and it's translated as vision. So you could say without vision, people run wild, but one without divine or one who follows divine instruction will be happy. As a church, we kind of operate in, in a bit of a unique way. As a staff, we are, are the primary decision makers of the church, but we don't do that on our own. And as the lead pastor, that falls to me. But I don't just go make decisions all on my own. I like to get the input of the staff around me. 
When I was in Bible college, one of my leadership professors told me, when you come into a new job, you can only see as far into the future as you can see into the past. And he goes, if you're coming in on day one, and you have no familiarity with the past of the church and the history of the church, that's how far you can see into the future. He said, but the value is, you find those who have been around for a while. Those who have been there, maybe if it's a, in our case, some of you have been here since the beginning, some of you have been here for several years. He goes, you find them and you get on their shoulders and that will help you to see further into the future. And we've got a staff that many of them have been here for a very long time and our eldership has been around for quite a while and so many of you have too. And for me, coming into this role has made my job so much easier and so much more fruitful to be able to get on your shoulders to see what God has done for this church, to show me what I think he might do for this church. And despite the fact that ultimately if we wanted to do something, we could just go do it, that's not what I want to do. And I can be honest with you and say it'd be very easy for me to try and seek what God has for this church and instead just fall into the line of this is just what I want to do, so we're going to do it. No, my job is to seek God and to ask guidance of the Holy Spirit. So as we make decisions, we're making the decisions that he has laid out in front of us. And that's kind of what today is going to look at and represent. We're going to look in three different directions to talk about the vision of the church today. And to, to kind of give you a glimpse into how we as a staff think through things and function, and how, how we as the eldership kind of think through things and function a little bit. So you can see where we're going and then kind of come back at the end and tie it all together with why it matters and what we're doing. Again, if you're visiting, normally we're diving into a book of the Bible or into a specific topic or a character study, and we're going to get right back into that next week. But today we're going to take this little bit different approach. To understand where we want to be as a church, what we're supposed to be doing as a church, we're going to look in three directions. The first place we look is we're going to look back. We're going to look backward. Again, like I said, it's, it's good to look back at where the church has come to find out where we're going to go. But specifically, we're going to look back just at 2023. Uh, 2023 was uh, an, an interesting year at, at Crossroads for a variety of reasons. And it was very significant for one major reason early in the year uh, because something very historic took place here at Crossroads. Uh, I got here. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, seriously, it was the year that Brad, the founding pastor of our church, handed off the reins. And, and it was just two weeks ago, represented the one-year mark of us completing the transition from Brad to myself. We got here about three years ago now almost, if you can believe that, in the summer of 2021, and uh, we did a 20-month transition, and it was February 19th of last year that Brad preached his final sermon as the lead pastor and, and handed things off to me. And, and when I say that's significant, it is very difficult for a church to move from a founding pastor to the next pastor. And I can just tell you from my standpoint, coming in as the new guy, watching how Brad navigated that and handled that has taught me so much about humility, so much about self-awareness. You're probably thinking, yeah, right. But uh, to show that one of these days it's going to be my turn to hand it off to the next guy. And to see how he handled that and navigated that, I've always said the one thing I want to do is make sure that when I hand it off to the next guy, it's in a better, a better place and spot than, than I got it. And it was in a pretty good spot when I got it. 
And, and so we've navigated through this, and, and the church has, has handled this, and I've been very appreciative of you all and how you all have welcomed my family here uh, to this church and made us feel like we've belonged here since the church began. I mean, we, we walked in day one and felt like we were at home here. And so we're grateful for that. But uh, there's also some other staff changes that took place last year. In 2023, we, we said goodbye to our student pastors, Phil and Becca Sperling. They left to go take a missions uh, role. They're currently in Ohio for three years' worth of training. And we brought in Stefan and Caitlin Caudill. And, and Stefan has done a remarkable job since he got here in August of last year. Our, our students and our parents are very receptive to the way that he has approached things. And kind of like I felt like with us, they seem like they've just fit right in with our church culture and our church family here. And with our staff culture and our staff family here, uh, Stefan's really funny on staff because we like to poke at each other and rib at each other. And if you find any, anything that you can make fun of each other with, that's what we do. And um, Stefan won't let us. We'll say something about him. And he goes, okay, and walks off. <laughs> like, like, dude, you're becoming the least fun person on this staff. Like, fight back. I mean, come on, you know. But, uh, you know, he's like, okay. And he goes and goes back in his office and puts headphones on and ignores us. So it's like, okay. Um, but we made that transition, and it, it's gone really, really well. Uh, we also know what happened in September of last year. And I don't want to go deep into that today. But we know the tragic incident that happened with our, within our church family, within our staff last September. What I do want to talk about with that, though, is you all. Because I, I, this was you know, less than six months into me being in the lead role that this all happened. And the response we saw from you all, the, not just the prayers that came, the phone calls that came, the text messages that came, the emails. I don't even know if I read them all. There were so many that came in those first week or two. It uh, was overwhelming in a good way. And the prayers that you all had for us, I can tell you, and I'm not, this isn't hyperbole, we got through that because of you all. We got through that because of the support you gave to us. The way that you stepped up, the way that, that people stepped up to go help in the kids' ministry or step up in the other areas where, where you know, suddenly there was a need for help in those, those places. And what's remarkable is several people asked me, how can I help? And I, I responded, right now I don't know that, that you can't think we're good. Ask me again in four months. And they did. They followed back, some of you followed back up on that. I just want to say thank you for that. A couple weeks ago, I was down in uh, Joplin, Missouri at a conference and uh, ran into several people I hadn't seen in quite a while. And they all were just like, hey, how are you doing? How, how is your church doing? And this is my honest answer to them. I said, I could not imagine a better church to be in for something tragic like that to happen. Because you all showed your true colors. And, I mean, Jennifer and I were talking the other night, and I just said, this, the, the way you all responded to that, it showed me the character and the nature of who you all are as a church, who Crossroads is as a church, and I am humbled and honored to get to represent you all and to get to lead and serve alongside you all. So thank you for that. Thank you for the way that you stepped up, for the way that you all supported the Richards family financially, the amount of money that was donated and raised from here and from the community around us was remarkable. Blew us away, blew them away. So thank you for everything that you did over these last five months. It, it won't ever be forgotten. 2023 brought us some interesting things as well too, though. It brought us some growth. 
we, we've got some numbers up here on the on the screen, you can kind of see where we were at last year. Our average attendance uh, was at 589 people. That's a 17% jump from the year before. And when you look at that, one of the things that we try to compare to is the year 2019. Because 2020, everything bottomed out. 21 was a slow growth back. 22 was still kind of a slow growth back. Last year, it took off. And if you go back to 2019... We're at 90%, almost exactly 90% of what we were before all the COVID stuff happened. Most churches are still only about maybe three-fourths. So we've, we've seen growth coming back into to Crossroads. And what's been remarkable for me when you look especially at the kids and youth numbers, the one I didn't put up there, I forgot to put up there, is our nursery numbers. Because our nursery has been packed every week. And I know we stress Melissa and her team out sometimes because we're, we are packed in there. That's a good problem to have. Because what that tells me is our future is growing. We've had almost 20 young families with nursery-age uh, children either join or start attending on a regular basis over the last 18 months. That's the future of Crossroads. That's the future of the kingdom of God, and it's growing. You can see, too, our, our engagement numbers. Of baptisms, when, when I saw that number, I'll, I'll be honest, my first thought was, that was it? I felt like we did more. And at first, I kind of thought, man, that's, that's not that many. And then I thought about those 28 people that gave their life to Jesus last year, right here. Or one in the Jordan River in Israel on our trip when we were there. Some at camp. Some at different places that gave their lives to Jesus and they stepped into that baptistry and they stepped out of that a changed person walking with Christ. That's remarkable. That's fulfilling our mission. We saw great growth and great engagement last year. We also saw incredible generosity out of you all. If you see what, what you all gave last year, that's our total offerings for the year. That top number there. Almost 1.7 million in giving. That's almost 200,000 above what we projected in our budget for last year. We came into 2022 telling our ministry team leaders, things are going to be tight. So they didn't ask for much. We felt pressure. And the giving just kept coming up and up and up and up. And that took all the pressure off of them and off of us. So they thank you for your generosity. Because it allowed us a lot more flexibility to just invest back into the area around us to invest back into what we do in ministry, to try and, and, and do more things in our community, to make our outreach events have a little bit more to offer, make our kids' ministry have a little bit more to offer to the people who are coming. That's a look at what we had from the numbers standpoint. But we also had some great moments in 2023. We were able to take a group of 28 people to Israel to see the Holy Land. You can see with the, the picture you're required to take in Israel with the Temple Mount behind you. 28 people, most of them from Crossroads. We had one couple that joined us from Texas. We had a few other family members of church members that joined us as well too. But remarkable, remarkable trip for us. And it's something that we're hoping to recreate. I, don't, I was hoping today to be able to give you an announcement. I can't. We don't have it quite set in stone yet. We're gunning to go back next March. And I know you've maybe watched the news. Like, I'm never going over there. It'll be okay. The places where the trip goes will be okay. So as soon as we have something to tell you, I want to announce that to you all. 
as well too, because it's something we're hoping to take maybe every two or three years. Take a group of people over there. Those who went on the trip will tell you, once you see that with your own eyes, you will never read the Bible the same way. Because as you read it, you see it. You, you're there. You, it all comes together in a way that doesn't otherwise. We had a group that went to Jordan in, in the fall. We went and visited our missions partners in Jordan. We hadn't been able to do missions trips like that for quite a while, coming out of COVID and everything. And so to go over and support our missionary partners in Jordan was, was big. We've got trips coming this year as well, too, that, that are going to help to support our missions partners that we're supporting around the world. Again, because of your generosity. Because of what you all did for us and did for the kingdom, we're able to pour that out into those around us. 2023 had its challenges, but it also had some highlights. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful for how 2023 went when we look back. We also look ahead. That's the second place we look. We look ahead to this year. One of the, the, the parts of my job is I almost always have to be looking into the future. What's, what's coming Next week, what's coming in six months, what's coming in three years, starting to put things down a little bit and, and, and evaluate possibilities out there. And as we look at 2024, we know the most obvious issue right now is we've got some new staff hires coming in. We're, we're still looking for a children's pastor and a music pastor. And just so you're kind of updated on those, where we're at on that, we've hired a group named Slingshot that's helping us find a new kids pastor. It's just not been very fast. And one of the things that I am the absolute best at preaching and not at living is patience <laughs> and trust. <laughs> I'm very good at preaching that to you all and standing here telling you, just trust God, it will be okay. And I'm in my office going, God, what are you waiting for? Come on. Like <laughs> we have interviewed several candidates, and I'll tell you this, we've passed on several candidates. Because rather than going out and making sure we just hire somebody, we want to make sure we hire the right person. I told you earlier, those kids' numbers, that nursery full of students down there, I'm going to show you how many are coming down here already in a minute. We want that person who's going to help those children come to know Jesus. And like I said, with a, with a youth pastor church, it's personal for me. I've got a nine-year-old and a five-year-old that are going to be coming through there the next several years. That's my kid's kid's pastor. I want it to be the person God has for us. So we're going to continue to be patient. In the meantime, our volunteers have stepped up and stepped through the roof. And we've seen them not just step up, but get to lead, get to take ownership, get empowerment. They're leading weekly lessons. They're leading VBS for us this year. They're leading camps this year. And can I just, can, I, can we do something really, really quick? If you're in here and you help with kids ministry, would you stand up really quick? In any way, if you help down there, if you're helping lead camps, lead VBS, any of that stuff... We just want to say thank you. Tim and Amy, you can sit down. <laughs> thank you for standing, but yeah, it was getting awkward. Um, whoever comes into our kids' ministry is going to inherit an incredible situation. Uh, because of everything that, that took place, you know, changes had to be made. And one of those changes is camp. We're going to go to a different camp this year. Uh, we made a difficult decision to, to step away from where we've been going, and, and we're going to send our kids to a camp called Syokimo, which is down in southwest Missouri, about the same distance as where we've gone, but it's down kind of in the Joplin area. And uh, if you're curious, here's some camp dates. You can write these down. Our middle schoolers are going June 3rd through June 7th. 
our, our kindergartners and first graders. This is the, the students who are going into these grades. Kindergartners and first graders, there's a day camp on June 21st. Second and third graders will go June 27th and 28th. And our fourth and fifth graders go June 30th through July 3rd. We've got those dates, I believe, on our website and uh, information on that. We're still waiting on finalization so we can start registrations there, but I'm hoping to get that information out to you parents as soon as I have it and we can send it on forward. We want our kids to come to know Jesus. And, and we're doing all those ways. Our volunteers, man, thank you so much for all that you've done with that. Music Pastor Church, we're really just kind of getting started on that. You know, we've been focused on the kids. We're, we're working on, on getting music as well, too, because, again, we have places in the church that people can minister in ways that I can't, ways that Brad can't, or, or uh, the rest of us as a staff can't. We all have our certain areas, and, and so we're looking forward to having that person come in as well, too. Ben and Kelly stepping out to go play in a church uh, in, in South Dakota this summer, and, and, and so helping to, to have that person come in soon as well, too. When we look at those numbers a minute ago from 2023, it's important to use those as we look ahead as well, too. One of the things that I was challenged years ago is that when you're thinking about growth, think of it in terms of 10%. 10% growth year by year is manageable and sustainable. If we were to double overnight, as great as that sounds, we're not prepared for that. We don't have the staff or the volunteer base for that. 10% growth gives you the opportunity to let that all happen naturally. So if, if we look at last year's numbers and we look at 10% growth, what's that look like? It means we add about 60 people per service this year. It means that we add maybe, maybe eight to a dozen families this year. It means that we um, you know, grow in our student ministry and our kids' ministry. You can see year-to-date where we're at on that. Year-to-date on our attendance on Sunday mornings, <clears throat> we're right where we were last year. Now, I will tell you, there's a little caveat, because if you subtract the Sunday that it was negative nine, we're actually well above that. But apparently, we had like 40 people that were still frozen to their seats at Arrowhead Stadium from the night before <laughs> and couldn't make it in. <laughs> or you had people like me whose Jeep wouldn't start and uh, you know had to figure out what to do after that. So... But, you know, our numbers are up. Our youth numbers are climbing. Look at our kids' numbers. We're actually to the point where we have to start making decisions to add classes down there and look for more leaders to help add, uh, add those classes because we're running out of space down there. Good problems to have with that. You can see what that looks like with small groups and ministry teams and baptisms, what our goals are going to be for this year. And I just want to encourage you, if you're not involved in a small group, not involved in a ministry team, man, get that way. If you've not yet been baptized and you're thinking about it, let's have a conversation, uh, not, not to force you into there, not to guilt you into there, but to show you why. Show you why we do that. Show you why it's important to, to walk with Christ. Giving has been a little bit different this year, uh, where last year things went well above and beyond what we expected. Uh, I forgot to put it in there, but our projected offering this year was the same as what we ended up with last year. And so far this year, we're actually quite a ways below that. I'm not saying this is a guilt thing. I'm not saying this is a, hey, I'm going to kick you in the pants and get you in gear thing. Just so you're aware. So you're aware of where we're at with this. Uh, we're, we're down quite a bit from what we were expecting. Our budget for this year is based on what we were expecting, based on what we got last year. So just showing you that so you're aware of it. We give based on faith, not based on obligation, not based on guilt, none of that. Never let me feel like I'm guilting you into to giving in your tithes and offerings. But it is what fuels our, our church. And, and God's going to take what we have and stretch it beyond what we, we can think of anyway. 
but it's a sign of faith. If you can trust God with what's the most precious to you, you can trust God with anything. And outside of our children and our, our families, what we have financially is probably the most precious thing to most of us. So, so make sure that we're, we're being faithful with that. Now, I know I've thrown a lot of data out there, a lot of numbers, a lot of statistics. I'm a stats guy, sorry. That's just how my brain works. Understand something. Some of you are not numbers people, and especially in church, and you're like, we don't care about this. Like, you're just kind of getting a little, you know, cringed a little bit. It's like this is eating away at you. Numbers aren't everything. There is an entire book of the Bible, however, called Numbers. <laughs> and this is going to blow you away, but you know what they do in the book of Numbers? They count the people. <laughs> they actually list them all off. I guess I should start listing you all off. You know. Numbers aren't everything. And, and I'll be honest, it doesn't matter to me what that, that ultimate number is. I want to see us grow because that's what we're supposed to do. But it's not a matter of saying, hey, I'm up to 1,000 people at my church now. What are you at? never fails when you go to a pastor's conference. That's, they always ask you, how big is your church? <laughs> I think it's just curiosity. I don't think it's, you know, getting the measuring sticks out or anything like that. Numbers aren't everything, but every number, one of you, every number is a face with a name with a story. And every number, whatever that number is, 590, 600, whatever, every number of somebody who attends on a Sunday morning is somebody coming to worship and learn about Jesus and hopefully make their way right there. Hopefully get to know him more. And become part of our family, part of our community here at Crossroads. Not because of me, not because of Brad, not because of the staff. Because of Jesus and because of us as a community, his church, trying to build his kingdom in our world around us here. And that starts with you all. That starts with you all inviting them to come with you. Letting them know. We have a lot of people that just drop in. Some of you all found your way to Crossroads because we're right off of 435 and right off of Johnson. And several people have said, I drove by it every day. I thought I'd just stop in sometime. Great. Thanks for coming in. But a lot of people come because of you all. You bring them here. We came across a statistic the other day that blew me away. Blew me away. Came across this in a, a magazine article. It said 83% of non-churchgoers said they would attend church if they were personally invited by a friend. That's awesome. So we saw the second part of it. Only 2% of regular church attenders actually invite somebody to church. Think about if this were any other business or industry in the world, you had an 83% chance of success with something. You're going to take that, unless you're an airline pilot. You're going to take that in everything else, though. And imagine having an 83% chance of success and only doing it 2% of the time. But that's what stats show is the case with the church right now. So here's your challenge. We're not done yet, but here's your challenge based on this. You know it's four weeks away. I said three weeks, but there's three weeks between now and then Easter. Who are you inviting? Who are you bringing with you to Easter? Who are you bringing with you to Easter? That's the easiest Sunday of the year to invite people to church. Who are you inviting? Who are you telling about Easter? We've got three services, actually four if you count Good Friday service. It's not going to be the same as Easter Sunday. It's going to be kind of this worship service we're going to have on Good Friday. We've got a sunrise service across the street at the, the pond at the police station. I'm really hoping this year we actually get to see the sunrise because so far I'm 0 for 2. Um, we, 
We will have the loft set up for backup if it's, if it's bad weather. But that's going to be at 7 o'clock. We'll have 9.15 and 10.45. We're not doing our 8 o'clock service that morning. But we'll have those three. Bring people with you to Easter service. Let them come hear about Jesus. Let them come experience Jesus. We've got preaching series lined up so far for, for most of this year. I've still got a few things to plug in. But when we look at our preaching series, I was very focused on what 2024 represents. This is a, an election year. It's a divisive year. We're going to be pulled on the sides. We're going to be tasked with putting hopes and, 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 and dreams and wishes into flawed people. We're going to be, in some cases, even as the church, elevating other things we believe in sometimes over the church. So I'll just tell you, my, my preaching this year is going to be focused on the kingdom. It's going to be focused on Jesus, which probably always should be, but I mean very focused on who he is and how we can be more like him. And it's going to be focused on us as a community being there for one another in spite of everything the world tells us to pull us apart. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Dangerous Prayers. Uh, There's a small group that went through the book Dangerous Prayers that that I think is still ongoing. But we're going to challenge you to pray three prayers that that he writes about in this book. And I'll tell you you next week, I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you next week, pray these. But you better be ready for God's response when you do. Those prayers are search me, break me, and send me. So we're going to pray those over the next few weeks. After Easter, we're starting a four-week series that's going to be a big, heavy topic series called Let's Talk About It. We're going to dive into some really difficult uh, topics like trauma, like infidelity, like this cheapened love that our society has. We're going to talk about how we as a church can engage the LGBT community while standing on our convictions and showing the love of Christ. I've got a friend named Caleb Kaltenbach who's going to come share with you that week. He's going to tell a story that I can't tell, his story. We're going to talk about how we can focus more on Jesus. We're going to to preach to the I am statements of Jesus and and look at how he is our our true north point that we need to focus towards all the time. We're going to talk about the the church, the multi-generational church and how we all need each other. And here's one more for you. I wasn't going to tell you about this, and I decided to. We get into the fall, we're going to preach the book of Daniel. That's a personal challenge for me because that's one that I sometimes struggle to understand fully. But we're going to work through it together. I was challenged on that the last few weeks. Daniel's all about the people of God living in exile. And guess what we are right now? We're the people of God living in exile. We're going to look through this, and we're going to preach through this and focus on the kingdom. That's what 2024 is going to represent here at Crossroads, is a kingdom-minded, a kingdom-focused, united church. We look back, we look ahead, but the third place we have to look is we look up. We look up. Looking back shows us where we've been, looking ahead shows us where we want to go, but we look up to make sure we're doing what God wants us to do. And when we look up, we're reminded of our mission. Back before Crossroads was officially made, made an official church, Brad went off on, on a retreat and, and he laid some of the foundational work and that included laying down the mission statement of Crossroads. Some of you might know this by heart, some of you don't, it's on your bulletin. But our mission is that we exist to bring people to Jesus Christ and to assist them in becoming his fully devoted and reproducing followers. And you may think, well, that's, that's great, you know, craftfully worded, you know, very, very original, whatever. It was pulled out of the Bible, 
pulled out of the great commission statement of Jesus. But it shows what we prioritize and what we focus. And you say, how do we do that? How do we keep our mission going? I think one of the most simple things we can do is look in the book of Acts. Everybody talks about a New Testament church. There are several New Testament churches. Many of them were more broken and flawed than we are. But in Acts chapter 2, you see the church at its purest. You see the church when it first started. You see the church before it really had a chance for us to mess it up. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 2, in the early days of the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What do we do with that? I think there's three things in there that are challenges for us that we need to embrace this year moving forward to help us become the church God wants us to be. The first is we worship together regularly. So they met daily. They met regularly. They fellowshiped regularly. This is so important. Being here is so important. So many of you are here, if not every week, almost every week. But the numbers show that the average American regular church attender attends about 1.2 times a month. Folks, we need to be here. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, let us consider how we, we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's where they start. How can we encourage one another? How can we, we spur one another on to doing what we're supposed to do? Not giving up meeting together, as so many are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. That wasn't written for America in the mid-2020s. That was written for the first century church. It's always been something that the people of the church are at risk of doing. Now, we need to be here regularly, but this can't be the extent of church. One hour a week, you do the math, one hour a week isn't enough. We need to be the church throughout the week as well, too. And we showed you earlier, through things like small groups, ladies through table groups, men through doing the activities we do together, married couples doing things together with, with families, with kids of similar ages, building relationships. The church has to extend beyond Sundays, especially if you are one of those 1.2 times a monthers. It has to. It needs to grow beyond just what we do here because that's the only way we as a church will grow. And some people like to push back when we talk about this. We are commanded to grow the church. Jesus says, Matthew 28, go and make disciples. That's the people that we want to, to bring in here, are the people who need to know Jesus, not just people we pluck from another church somewhere. No, the people who need to know Jesus, who need to meet him. We go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything, everything he's taught us. We want to extend beyond Sunday mornings, worship beyond just right here so that we can be the church and we can see the church start to spread across our, our community and start to spread across our world. The second thing we need to do is fellowship with both believers and non-believers. Some of you want to push back on that second part there. Well, I, I need a fellowship with church people. We do. 
We, we talked a lot about this, especially I mentioned a couple weeks ago. If you've got kind of a reflective or absorbent personality, you need to be around church people. But if you don't hang around non-believers, who are you going to make disciples out of? Who are you going to reach for Jesus? I always encourage you to talk to people you work with. That's one of the things I have to tell you. I can't really do that part. At least I hope I don't have to tell the people I work with about Jesus. <laughs> kind of hope they're already there, you know. Uh, but no, we, we fellowship with them. We spend time with them. There's so many ways that we can do that. Some ways that we have as a church that we're trying to facilitate for everybody. Some ways we encourage you to do. We've got events coming up. Coming up here in a few weeks, Crazy Craft Day and Pancake. If you, if you like pancakes and breakfast, the Saturday, the week before Easter, Mark will tell you more about it here in a few minutes. It's going to be right here in this room. We have crafts set up around the room. And um, it's a great outreach opportunity for, for the community to come into. And you may say, well, I don't have kids to come to that. Come serve it. Come be a part of it. That's one of the opportunities. We have one in, in the, the fall with Trunk or Treat. People come to our church with no strings attached because there's something fun going on. And you just get to be here and represent Jesus to them. Come serve at that. Be a part of that. We have VBS coming up June 10th through the 13th. Information about it on the website already. Come serve at that. Be a part of that. You may be like, I'm not good with kids. I'm not either, and I have three of them. Okay? <laughs> but let me tell you, when you're there and they're ramp, my wife's not at yeah, that's correct. When you... When you, you go down there and we, we do a story time with them, we, we do a lesson through a story, and the questions they ask, I'm like, where did you come up with? That's an amazing question. It has nothing to do with the story, but that's a great question. Don't come serve. Be a part of it. Be a part of, of building into that next generation of, 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 of people to come to know Jesus. We have community events. You have them in your community, wherever it is you live, school events, neighborhood events, whatever. Go be a face for Jesus in those. Go be a face for Jesus in the public schools where he, he's needed more than he has ever been needed in our country. Go serve in those areas. We have service opportunities coming up. We don't have all the details finalized on April 27th. Our missions team is doing a community outreach service project. And as soon as we have the details, we're going to let you know. But if you want to just go serve somebody in this community, man, sign up for that. Be a part of that. It's going to be a great way to go be the hands and feet of Jesus. We've got our ministry team sign-up still going on out here in the, in the foyer. Mark's going to tell you more about that again here in a minute. Sign up, find what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and where is there a, a need. And God's going to point you to a direction where you can be of use. And as the weather gets nicer, we're getting, we've had a little taste of springtime. Man, fire up those grills, invite people over. Have a cookout. Have people come to your house. Have your neighbors come over. Just get to know them better in fellowship. Let's grow the church by fellowshipping with the people around us. Third thing that we get out of Acts chapter 2 is we continue to seek after God. Don't get so caught up in doing the work of the church that you forget what the church is here for. To help you learn more about God. I said this in my core values. We will relentlessly pursue a deeper and more transforming relationship with Jesus. So we need to continue seeking after him ourselves too. And we can do that together. We can do that as a, as a body, as a family, one-on-one, -on -one, whatever it might be. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and in his incomparably great power for all of us who believe. We want to continue to seek after him. I know so many of you, Crossroads has been your home longer than it has been mine. I'm so grateful that, that you have been here throughout all these years and that you've embraced us as we've come here as well too. But man, the church, the church means so much to me. The church has been a part of my life, my entire life. What you call, a, a, I've said this before, a Buick, a brought up in church kid. It's an acronym for those of you who weren't paying attention. <laughs> but all throughout my life, I can rattle off the churches I've been a part of and what it's meant to me in that, those phases of life. I mentioned several names back a few weeks ago of people I looked up to. And now I'm, I'm starting to realize I'm at a, an age where people are looking up to me. That's humbling. It, it, it's, it's humbling to think that that's, that's me now. The church has meant so much to me. I don't know what my life would look like without it. I don't want to know what my life would look like without it. And as, as I get into a role now of serving the church and leading in the church, all I want to do is make sure I'm protecting it and putting it where God wants us to be. Because we have an amazing and awesome responsibility to not just teach people about Jesus, but to serve our community and to help revival spread like fire across this area. I'm not talking, you know, the big tent revivals. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people coming to know Jesus because of what we do, because of who we are. One of my former pastors used to always say, when the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing, there is no greater force for God and for good in the world. I believe that. I believe that. We aren't perfect. We're far from it. We've got our flaws like every other church does. But if we stay focused on Jesus, if we stay focused on him and making his name famous, folks, this church is going to do good for God in our world. Let's pray. Father, we are so, so, so thankful for your church. We are so grateful for your church, that we are your bride, that we are your body. And God, I pray that we would never lose sight of that. We would always remember how much you value your church and that we would value it as much as we can the same way. God, we're grateful that you give us the calling to go make disciples. God, I pray that we would always have the mindset that Jesus said, that we do what he came to do to go out and bring life and bring it to the full, to go serve others, not to be served, to go seek and save the lost. God, I'm so grateful for Crossroads. I'm grateful for your global church as well, too. God, we're grateful for what you're going to do through your church. We pray this today in Jesus' name. For communion time, I'm going to read a verse here in a second, and the words that I will be reading are from Jesus to the 12 disciples that Jesus called to follow him. Um, and the situation is that James and John, probably at the direction of his mother, came to Jesus and said, uh, can we sit at the right and the left-hand side of your throne whenever your glory is realized, whatever that means? It's unclear if they were thinking of a physical kingdom like the Romans or if they were actually thinking of a heavenly kingdom similar to what God is, or Jesus has been trying to teach them all this time. But either way, the significance of the moment is that they wanted to be second and third in power. 
And what is clear is that the rest of the disciples, the other ten, were indignant. That is to say, they were the opposite of dignitaries in the situation. They were not quiet about it. They were not polite about it. They weren't kind. They weren't compromising. They were mad. Why would you ask such a thing? Who makes you think that you should be in that position? Um, Let's just say that the characteristics of a fisherman, a tax collector, and a zealot came out in that situation. It was not a pretty sight. And then Jesus says these words to his disciples. You know, the Gentiles, the rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over the Gentiles. The high officials exercise authority over the rest of the people. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first or second must be your slave. And so characteristically, Jesus stops the argument with just a small little phrase, small little saying. Because in the earthly kingdom's economy and the way it functions, everything is about scraping and crawling and stretching and reaching and pushing and fighting and climbing and accomplishing and trying to prove yourself. And while you're doing that, you also have to push others away or down to get there to the top. But in God's kingdom and in his economy, what you need to do is simply humble yourself and serve. And the ironic part of this whole thing is that he ends this whole phrase, this whole lesson, by saying these words. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our God, who is high, came to us and lowered himself to the point that he could lift us up out of the mire that we were in, out of our own sin out of our own depths of death. He came and he served us and lifted us up. And he expects us to do the same. So for the time of communion, I want to encourage you guys to reflect on a God who doesn't sit on his high throne and direct us what to do. He actually comes and does it and then says, follow me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the love that you have for us. Not that we deserve it, nothing that we could offer for it. Um, And oftentimes we throw it away and trash it with our continued difficulties with sin. But you keep offering your love. You keep showing us that you care. And that ultimate example was when you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. Help us to appreciate that more than anything. And in this time of communion, to realize that you are a God that truly does want the best for us, so much so that you're willing to pay the price that we couldn't pay for ourselves. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to serve us. In Jesus' name, amen.